it's recording. It just made. It just made like a. Mark, I guess it a makes time it, code. Well, yeah, it basically it's, putting, it's marking it, marking a, a point in the recording. But I don't know how that's gonna look when I get the recording into the editor. But I don't know. Colleen Evenson. Evenson. <laughs> I always get the. I always fuck up your last name. How are you doing? You, you and a few telemarketers. <laughs> Look, it's better. People actually screw up my first name more than my last How name. How do they screw up your first name? They don't screw it up. There's different pronunciations. Colleen is very Irish. C-O-L-L-E-E-N is very Irish, right? Right. Um, some people say Colleen. They overpronounce the O. Okay. And some people just fly right past it and go clean. <clears throat> hey, clean. Like a look, hard K look, into the lean. Better. <laughs> you have it better, though, because what I get is I never don't get Miss Bar. Sure. Always. Yeah, that's and they don't that's correct, and they don't and they don't correct themselves because I sound like a woman over the phone when do I'm you, like a really like a do. raspy because like you, a Kathleen Turner. On well, because you hear my voice, right? It's already sure. kind of high pitched. Imagine a little. Imagine that over a phone line. Sure, they don't know, and you don't know who's mm. on the other end, and you've yeah. never met me. That's fun. They just always go Miss Bar all the time. <laughs> Roseanne Barr? Oh my reached, god. Yeah. It's reached a point where I st- I have stopped correcting them. I'm yeah. just like, this is just going to be a thing. Uh, sometimes people mishear my name and they think I say Holly, and I'm like, yeah, that's close enough. <laughs> <laughs> like at a party, I'll hear Holly, but yeah, all right, that's probably. No, it's not close enough at all. But I'm also from New York, as you know, as yeah. you are as well, and so that just got shorthanded to call a lot. Really? Growing up, I was call. Yeah. That seems unnecessary. It's just the East Coast, like, what is that, two syllables? Can't be that. Let's just do one. I don't have the time to pronounce. No one has the time. I got a bagel to eat. You and I grew up, like, in two neighborhoods apart. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, Here we are, 3,000 miles from home. 3,000 miles from home, chasing the impossible dream. Yes, and true. Colleen Evenson, welcome to Word Tetris. Before we move any further, I do have to say that uh, the first 20 minutes of this episode will be available for free. To hear the full episode, get the full Colleen Evenson experience. Colin and Colin. Colleen. Oh, Colleen Evenson experience. <laughs> Go to patreon.com slash Tetris. Sign up for the $1 an episode tier. You get that goodness. Sign up for the $3 an episode tier. You get the full episode plus a bonus episode. Ooh. That's going to be recorded when this is over. You can find the show on twitter.com slash Tetris. You can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Merrill Bar. M-E-R-R-I-L-L-B-A-R-R. Colleen, where can the people find you on Twitter? You can find me at Lady Fantastic, L A D I E Fantastic. And I'm not going to spell it because I don't want to. Currently working on, and I am currently working on the reboot of Ducktales. Woo! On Disney XD. How often? In the, I just on ima- Disney. I'm imagining in the room <laughs> every day. That's what the, we do every day. The showrunner walks in <laughs> and goes, Woo, "Hey guys, we're then, working on Ducktales." Oh, woo! Yeah. <laughs> and then the shows, and then you know, actually, when I interviewed for the job, they had said like, "Well, welcome to Ducktales," and I was like, "Woo!" And they were like, you are literally the first person to do that. And I was like, you're obviously interviewing the wrong people because we, you, they need to be doing that all the time. I think I immediately apologize as well. I mean, like, oh, sorry, that's probably everyone's doing that. And they're like, no one is doing that. Because everyone, and, and they, they, is that what got you the job? <laughs> <laughs> that's what it was. They just wanted a simple call and response. <laughs> that's all it took. Hired. The bar is very low. You are the job. first person to come on the show who's, who is writing for an animated series. Oh. So I'm curious. So I'm very curious how the uh, rewriting process changes for that because I have to imagine you have to plan out. So much more has to be planned out because there's no discovery. There's mm-hmm. no onset discovery right. with a cartoon, right? There are actually discoveries that we have. I guess our onset discovery happens with our board artists. Mm-hmm. Um, 
something I don't really have a huge background in animation. I just so happen to be, as it is sometimes in Hollywood, you just kind of get your foot through the door however you can. And my got my foot through the door being a writer's assistant on an animated show. So I got... Is that the blue collar thing? It's the blue collar um, show called uh, Bounty Hunters. Yeah. And, that actually uh, came across my... It was either my Netflix or my Amazon recently. Oh my god, I would love to see it. I, I don't even think I saw my full animated I episode. Watched, <laughs> like, I watched like three minutes and I was like, no, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> it, um, for those who don't know about the the huge hit of uh, Bounty Hunters. That was produced in, in Canada. In, it was made in Canada, written by a bunch of liberals in Los Angeles. Um, Starring and Jeff Fox. Jeff Foxworthy, Larry the Cable Guy, Bill Engel, and Lisa Campanelli. Oh, you guys didn't get Ron White? No, we didn't have Ron White. Um, and it was on CMT. It was on CMT, the country music channel, in case you're like, that one? Yes, that CMT. Um, it made kind of no sense, and nobody really knew what they wanted, and so it, it sort of went through a lot of different changes, but um, at the end of the day, it was rednecks who were brownie hunters that were bad at their job. Um, and I got a freelance writing for that. And then I basically, as a woman writing comedy and animation, I was like a unicorn. And I got a bunch of meetings at Disney. And <laughs> he's very tickled by that idea of me, of me as a unicorn. Um, which is very against my type. I'm more a tomboyish. I'm not really like the rainbow type. Uh, you know what? Unicorns aren't always associated with rainbows. What am I doing? Why am I stereotyping them? Um, so I interviewed at Disney and I was up for a spot on star and the forces of evil, but they didn't think I was the right Don't fit for that. that show. It's, it's been on for a while on Disney XD. <laughs> and, uh, then two years later I got a call out of the blue and they were like, Hey, do you want to meet for DuckTales? And I was like, yeah. okay. Yeah, sure, I, do. <laughs> I, I would very much. Like, yeah. Um, wait, wait so, someone wants to meet with me. What, yeah. Was it? Yeah. Um, take the meeting. I was like, I don't know if I'm an animation person, but okay. But, um, you always take the meeting, always take the meeting because you never know. And like all the other meetings that I've always been you like, take the meeting, you walk every in. single meeting I've ever been to where I was like, I don't know about this. It winds up being like the best job in the world for me. You get the call. It's like, Disney wants me to do cool. What you, what, and you and me ask for your meeting. You go, it's like, oh, by the way, we're rebranding. We're not doing hardcore porn. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. Am I in this or am I writing for it? Yeah. So, I kind of came in with a little bit of animation background. So a lot of the process of being there the first season was me figuring out how animation worked. And apparently on a lot of other crews, sometimes in animation there's a big divide between writers and animators mm -hmm. because cartoons are thought of as a visual medium. And a lot of the times they're like I'm not technically in the writer's guild. I'm in the animation guild. Mm -hmm. And that's because within animation, a lot of times the artists are the ones that are kind of making a lot of the decisions and they wind up kind of putting in dialogue and stuff. And Is it true that from what I heard, because I had, I did actually, I did have one person on here named Kayla Cooper who had written an episode of the Tron cartoon. Okay. And she described it as you have to be very specific yeah. in writing the, writing for animation like the like if, if someone throws a punch it's like you have to specify with which arm oh really do we don't point. do that but i get dewey aren't punching anyone actually there's quite a bit of punching <laughs> for a children's show there's a lot of violence it's actually a very violent show it is kind of we hide it in jokes um I mean, no but literally a pirate in the 
in first the episode yeah, yeah. that is really, really like G rated. Like you've done some raping. Like yeah. <laughs> that guy is he is raped and pillaged. Yeah. No, but uh, we are, my bosses were really good from the beginning of making sure because one of them is sort of a non writing, more of the animator guy, and the other is the writer creator kind of so and they have a nice uh marriage together uh for the show where they both wanted to make sure that we were talking to the animators because apparently it happens where the animators will do their own thing and not really think of the script as something that is good that they should follow and they figure i'm going to make it better so there winds up sometimes being a clash between the two but they worked really hard to make sure that we were truly collaborative so what winds up happening now is I'll hand in a script. It'll go to the board artist. Um, and then we get to go to the thumbnail pitches, which is like the frame by frame uh, version of the episode. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like a like a little flip book that we go through. And you'll see, you get a sense of the board artist's um, senses of humor and who will add visual stuff in the background, who kind of punches, like people will plus stuff all the time. So I actually wind up sometimes... I'll try to be specific in certain ways, but there are other times where I go, this is going to be a really fun fight sequence. That guy's really good with action. I know he's going to have a good time. I'll talk to him if he needs help from me about any specifics, but sometimes I like to leave some wiggle room for them to have fun because they they have been very loyal to us, to our scripts. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of cool to let them have that that slack to have some fun and they wind up i wind up being pleasantly surprised all the time where i'm like did i write that because that's very funny is that you guys because i don't remember doing that that's a really funny visual gag but i it's made me think as a writer who didn't come to animation as like a goal it makes me think more visual to where i had a different spec that was not animated that someone read and they were like did you write this after animation or before because it seems very visual and i was actually like it was before what's the spec (laughs) it is so not kid friendly this spec say do you want to say what the spec is yeah i can say what the spec is um the spec is about excited you can't laugh it up this much uh, this i'm just getting awkward i am a big 30 rock fan so i did do a 30 rock spec but this is an original that is basically kind of like a Liz Lemon type who accidentally gets thought of as being a prostitute one night and then decides she's sort of like sexually closeted and then through her friends that are more sexually experienced decides to pimp herself out. And it's called doing it. And she actually is so okay, she's so you. closeted that she, in order to get through the sex fant- the sex like act, will imagine herself with Jesus, like a hot Jesus to get through it. So she feels like it's morally okay to be doing. God damn it, that feels like... <laughs> do, you know, right, do you know Greg Baroness? No. Okay, he wrote... He's a co-writer, but he's just not that into you. Oh, oh, I've, yes, yeah. okay. Okay, he has a joke. It, one of his famous jokes is how Jesus is, like, so hot and so amazingly ripped. It's just like, yeah. And all he wants in life is to be ripped like Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And she, so she imagines herself with with people who are ripped like Jesus. Oh my God, that's why is that show? <laughs> I don't know, it might be. But someone had read it and was like, this is so visual and specific in certain ways. Right. But that's just kind of how my brain thought. So right. it, well, I see, actually make a good fit to be in animation, which is a place I never 
considered until mm. now I'm here kind of making it so the beginning Playboy of my career out of it. just ordered your show for as a cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Um, when you're in DuckTales and you're going through the rewrite process, mm. you know, how much rewriting is done the script stage before it goes off to the story? Most of the rewriting is in script. Is it? Okay. It, it is. Um, so I will do my original pass and I give it to my boss. Then he will give us notes and then based off those notes all, depending on how intensive they are, it could take me two days to a week to do it. And then he does his pass on that version, and then he hands that into the execs. Okay. Then the execs give us a notes meeting, um, and then I will do the changes on that and give it to him, and he'll do a final polish. We usually don't have past two versions mm-hmm. on scripts unless there's something they're having problems with it. I so, imagine in animation it doesn't behoove you to do like 14 drafts yeah because at the end of the day it's this animation is it runs contrary to the most uh, to the way you would shoot live action that the script is the blueprint right but in animation the script isn't the blueprint it's the blueprint before the blueprint the blueprint would right be the storyboarding right and so it's why it's it, i'm very curious how the how the rewrite process like once you go to the storyboard hmm. do you go back to the script we what happens is so then we have first we have like a thumbnail pitch where we sit in and we go basically frame by frame and get to see each board artist then will pitch their section so they're talking through so the it's scenes not one artist to one episode no we have about three board artists and then a director per episode so whoever's section it is like someone's like oh i have the cold open in act one someone has act two and act three mm-hmm. whoever section it is they are actually pitching as they go through it because we don't have the voice records or anything yet mm-hmm. then we record it with all the actors and we get like a radio play essentially and so we will find stuff in the room with the actors sometimes because our actors are comedians there's danny Pudi. so you're recording before the animation actually begins yes okay usually um so we have danny Pudi. We have Bobby Moynihan, we have Ben Schwartz, we have Kate Micucci, we have David Tennant as like regulars. Right. These people are insanely They're talented. <laughs> and Beck Bennett also as Launchpad. So we have a lot of comedians that plus it. So we'll get into the record sometimes and if a line's not working, we kind of, again, there's a little bit of wiggle room with them and we can get, we will punch up a line here or there or sometimes we get the line and we let them riff a little bit. Um, and so that then informed those performances inform the board artists how to animate certain lines Mm -hmm. so we like to then give them a radio play so they can hear it sometimes we'll even record them in the episode like david Tennant's on skype usually because he's in london and we they like to have a record because he can get very animated as he does stuff so that way they have an idea of how to to do some of it Mm -hmm. not all the time but especially in the first season when we were figuring stuff out and then what happens is from there it then becomes, we call it a board. <laughs> Sometimes they call it a board pitch. We call it a boardomatic, where we basically put the thumbnails together over the radio play, and it becomes like a, a right. very choppy episode. Right. And it's the rough draft. So it's usually long, and that's to see what jokes are playing and which aren't, or what flows or what we feel like we don't need. And the entire crew and the executives will sit and we'll watch it, and then we'll get notes. And after those notes, we'll adjust. And sometimes there's rewriting, but it's not always officially like, here's the script and I'm going so through it's it. Not, so the goal here, it sounds like, is to make sure when you go to the full animation stage 
it's tight and it's you done. know like it, at that point it's literally paint by numbers yeah this is the, you tell yeah. the animators it's this is just because ma- it all gets shipped to the philippines right <laughs> so, so so we do what we do that we do the board it's usually a little bit long then we have a second screening like a week and a half later that's a tighter version where it's to time so does the editor and it's called the, the animatic does the editor have just have the easiest job ever the editors have to kind of help find those spa- the editors will work pretty intimately with the directors so the editors to get it down like before pre-animation to like get down the timing and things i mean i think they get the radio play as close as they can but mm-hmm. it's we a lot of times again it's like you want to see what works and what doesn't right. so sometimes we're a little joke heavy so we're like okay well which couplet works better and then a lot of the like rewriting quote unquote at that stage at that animated stage mm-hmm. really happens more with the animators changing what happens in the scene versus me having to break back into the script and revising that and sending that to set for someone to shoot, right. you know? So it's like, I'll put, I'll literally send <laughs> the rewrites sometimes at that phase is me re giving dialogue that then we use as pickup lines right. with the actors later right. where I'm just writing the character in an email. I'm putting Huey and here's what Huey has to say around this page, around this line. And it's not, but it's not like a, and then someone afterwards, after it airs, or once it's finished, they'll go through, one of the assistants will go through and make sure all the dialogue matches that's on the script. Right. So it's like, it's like a weird this mishmash. Is, this is an insane process, but in that process, like, all right, so what was your first solo? Of, which episode was your first solo? Did you have a first, did you have a mm-hmm. solo? Yeah. Um, it aired months ago. It was, um... The Infernal Internship of Mark Beeks. Okay. It was like episode eight. How much of that episode lines up with what you originally submitted in the, like your first? That one I had quite a, there was a few more rewrites in the beginning because we were figuring out how long we could really make the scripts, how many characters we could really do because. Each character costs money. Well, it's not so much that it costs money as it is if there's Huey, Dewey and Louie and Webby in a scene and Scrooge, it's five people in a frame and it's now, hard you, for the artist to draw five people over and over and over again. So right. sometimes it's like, well, we break them up. So it's just the two kids in this scene and then the other two kids in the other scene. So we can kind of like real estate them a little bit. Right. But at the beginning. Is it, but is it a little easier because Huey, Dewey, and Louie both all three look exactly the same minus their hats? I mean, only Huey wears a hat now. So okay. I haven't, I haven't watched Louie has a hoodie. Okay. And Dewey has kind of um, like quaffed hair. <laughs> And a blue, a blue double, a double blue shirt, a t-shirt, so and then a long sleeve so shirt. They all don't look so it's not. Like they, they look use. more. They look different. They have the basic face shape, right. but their hair and the clothes they wear are different. Right. And Louis's eyes are always at a half mass, so like the internet loves him because they just think he's high all the time. <laughs> <laughs> remember what? Do you remember what I told you? I said the the adults are gonna fucking love this show when you told yeah. me. All the shit you guys were going to be doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is going to be a huge show. I mean, for it's adults. for kids, but it's like also for all, the, it's all not, of us. It's really not for kids. <laughs> like, the, it's like, it, this happened, this has been happening a lot. With, but The like, Simpsons was for kids and then it wasn't. But I mean, The Simpsons was never for kids. The, kids I, I actually kids. do have friends that have kids that watch it. Right. Um, and the kids do like it yeah. because we have Donald Duck functions as a, Donald Duck is in it, but um, he functions as like the physical comedy element. Right. But in my episode, my first one, he was supposed to be a more prominent character in it and then we realized we didn't have time and we we're trying to do the show and sell who the personalities were like who the boys were um and so we wound up stripping him out because the original concept for that episode that i went to do was
To hear the rest of this episode, head on over to patreon.com slash wordtetris.